Welcome, welcome, welcome to Chromatic Distortion with Corey Caesar. Don't you know they're talking about a revolution? It sounds like whisper. Who are people gonna rise up and get their share? Poor people gonna rise up and take what's theirs. Don't you know you better run, 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 What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Chromatic Distortion. I'm your host, that virus and STD-free Corey Caesar. This is episode 49. Just getting back in the saddle. Um, if you listen to the last episode, I kind of touched on the whole essential workers thing. And um I asked, what you know, what does that even mean? Um, and I, I argue, and I argue all day, that in this economy, in, in the world economy, in America's economy, we're all essential. We all have our part in this economy, even more than you realize. And I brought up a little, um, uh, an article called Dot Pencil. But I didn't really, I just gave like a real short description of it as an idea, but I really want to hit this idea home, because um, it's real important. And also, you know, I find it kind of ironic because I think people need to get out just out of the house in general. Um, because Friday we had some information come out in regards to my state, which is Indiana. And I would assume this is happening kind of around the, the country, not just in Indiana. I don't think this is like an isolated, um, you know, pun intended um, situation here. But um, during um, Governor Eric Holcomb, um, Friday's press briefing, briefing, he brought out family and social service administrator secretary, uh, Dr. Jennifer Sullivan, and she revealed what she called, quote unquote, alarming numbers around mental health and addiction in the state. Now, Sullivan said that Indiana's 211 hotline, that's a hotline where you can like call um, for like if you have some, you know, if, if you're feeling suicidal or you just need to talk to someone, you feel depressed, whatnot, um, and she said they went from a thousand calls a day regarding mental health, including suicide, um, suicidal thoughts, to twenty-five thousand calls a day, guys. Twenty—that's twenty-five times more than normal a day. And calls to Indiana's addiction hotline went from uh, went from an average of twenty a week to twenty a day. Think about that. So people are struggling mentally, guys. This is not it's not just about a virus. I keep trying to... I, it's real important to understand that there's more going on here. And this is going to be... Re- it's going to be real... It's going to be real scary for our country if this continues for any any more longer extended of a time. Um, and, and, and just going along with that, we've seen an uptick in um, of 55% of liquor sales nationwide. And I get it. People are home. They want to drink a little bit more. But what you're doing is you're putting... So, you know, let's be real about it kids got bad situations at home sometimes their parents an asshole now their parent just not not only is the kid not at school being away from that parent but now they stuck in the same house and that dude just lost his job now he's drinking more he's depressed what do you think is going to happen to that kid he's going to get fucking abused more and you guys act like oh, all you care about something you guys are fucking stupid this is real life here guys this ain't a fucking game this ain't a video game I know you guys act like you're playing The Sims and shit. You're just going to walk outside and everything's going to be fucking sunny again. Got to be real, man. 
this is affecting people's lives, like legitly. Um, so, you know, isolation is, is the worst thing you can do, basically, for people with depression. You know, they need, <laughs> they don't need to be isolated. They need to be talking to people. So my point is just reach out to your friends. Um, reach out to your family member. Talk to your grandma. Talk to your mom. Call your dad. Text your brother. I don't do a whole lot of that. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm not a real... I'm, I, this isn't the bad for me because I like isolation. I'm a pretty, um, I like my solitude. I, I, I thrive in my solitude, if you will. I enjoy being by myself. Um, so this really doesn't, I mean, this is like every day for me. Um, but I know there's a lot of people out there that are struggling. Um, but, you know, and, and you mix that depression now with 10 million. That's the numbers that came out. I don't know if, I think I said that about, I think they were out already last episode. I could be wrong. I don't know, but 10 million people already laid off, guys. That's just the start of it. Guys, people have families and bills to pay. This is the point of the essential too. And you're telling them they can't work. Why? Why? Why can't they work? You're telling them. Because they're not essential. Think about that. That's a that con that just that connotation connotation on that word um is negative, right? You know? So it's like why are we telling people they're not essential? So the way they're not essential to the world, they don't mean nothing. Right, and 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 it's like I said, essential to whom? That income is essential to that family. You know, they they want to eat. They want to drive their car. They want to go somewhere. They need to put their kid in school. They also got to pay taxes for all this other bullshit you guys want, right? How are they gonna pay taxes if they ain't working? Now that person also has a mortgage due. You know, I bet you he thinks his job's pretty essential to pay that. And um, that, stra- that stress and lack of self-worth, like I said, man, it can be devastating to our society, guys. Um, not only economically, but for mental health of our country. Now listen, because it's God, it's important again to say this, because I know, I know people are probably screaming at their shit already, but you want people to die. Oh my God. Oh, oh well, you, you just want to go out and let people, oh, you care more about money then, then, uh, then people dying. You want grandma to die? Like it's such a lame argument. It has no nuance. There's no thought in it. So it's and the reality is it's intellectually lazy. So I'm, I apologize if you're listening to this and you make that argument. You're intellectually lazy. It's just what it is. You're not looking deep enough. You're not looking at the nuance. You're not actually thinking the process through. You're you're very headlined thoughts. You're surface leveled. You know, and it's nothing wrong with that. Most people are. There's a lot of information coming at us all the time. It's a lot to process. Um, and, and to be honest, the, the, the reality is our, we haven't evolved to be able to process all this information yet. It's, it's life, dude. Um, you know, 50, 60 years from now, our brains maybe have developed enough to take in all this information and, and be able to deal with it. Um, like, not only physically, but more, more or less mentally. Um, but there is... Um, there isn't actually any contradiction in the beliefs that A, the virus is dangerous, B, mass unemployment is dangerous, and C, authoritarian government policies are dangerous, right? There needn't be any cognitive dissidents holding all three at once, right? They're not, um, they're not mutually exclusive. So last episode, again, I, I used an article called iPencil. Um, to demonstrate how we actually all are essential in today's economy, every single one of you. Um, 
And then you have to look at the economy, not as money or as the stock price, but as us, people. We are the economy. Every person, and in in today's world economy, every person of the world is part of the economy. And I'm going to prove it here with this article. Um, And I'm going to read it to you in full. It's short. It's not very long. It's about 15 minutes. It's going to take me about 15 minutes to read it. Um, But it's very relevant um, to what's going on right now. And it actually gives a great base to actually starting to, uh, to dive into the principles of libertarianism which is kind of where we're going to be taking this podcast right now. We're still going to be doing the serial killer editions. If you listened before, uh, I'm not going to X, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to get rid of those completely. Um, but we're going to be, but we're going to really be focusing on the philosophy and the history from here on out. Um, also, if you haven't just to get a head start after you listen to this, go back and listen to episode, uh, 38 anatomy of the state. Um, that's regarding one of my favorite pieces by Murray Rothbard. Um, that'll give you a great base also to where we're going with this. Um, so this article actually appears, um, in anything that's peaceful, the case for the free market by Leonard E. Reed. And it's a great book. Um, it's about 250 pages or so. It's pretty easy reading. It's not, not, it's not, it's not real hard. Um, um, and this was published way back in 1964, ironically enough. So some of the terminology is going to be a little different. Um, like it's going to say like um, calculator machine where you could probably just put in computer. So, so bear in mind the time frame, which actually makes this even more astonishing because the world has exploded since 1964. So it's even, you're even more essential than what this is, um, you know, than what this is even laying out, which is crazy. Um, but like I said, it couldn't be more relatable today during the, during the 2020 fucking Kung flu season. Right. And also known as COVID-19 or the Rona. Now listen, I'm not saying this virus is Asian in 19, but Woody Allen would bang it. All right. So here we go. I pencil. As I sat contemplating the miraculous makeup of an ordinary lead pencil, the thought flashed in my mind. I'll bet there isn't a person on earth who knows how to make even so simple a thing as a pencil. If this could be demonstrated, it would dramatically portray the miracle of the market and would help to make clear that all manufactured things are but manifestations of creative energy exchanges, that these are, in fact, spiritual phenomena, the lessons in political economy this could teach. Being a writer in his own right, let I, pencil, speak for himself. I am a lead pencil. The ordinary wooden pencil familiar to all boys and girls and adults who can read and write. Writing is both my vocation and my avocation. It's all I do. You may wonder why I should write a genealogy. Well, to begin with, my story is interesting. And next, I am a mystery. More than a tree or a sunset or even a flash of lightning. But sadly, I am taken for granted by those who use me, as if I were a mere incident and without background. This supercilious attitude relegates me to the level of the commonplace. This is a species of grievous errors in which mankind cannot too long persist without peril. For the wise G.K. Chesterton observed, we are perishing for want of wonder, not for want of wonders. I, pencil, simple though I appear to be, merit your wonder and awe, a claim I shall attempt to prove. In fact, if you can understand me, no, that's too much to ask of anyone. If you can become aware of the miraculousness that I symbolize, 
you can help save the freedom mankind is so unhappily losing. I have a profound lesson to teach, and I can teach this lesson better than can an automobile or an airplane or a mechanical dishwasher because, well, because I am seemingly so simple. Simple? Yet, not a single person on the face of this earth knows how to make me. This sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Especially when it's realized that there are about one and one half billion of my kind produced in the U.S. each year. Pick me up and look me over. What do you see? Not much meets the eye. There is some wood, lacquer, the printed labeling, graphite lead, a bit of metal, and an eraser. Just as you cannot trace your family tree back very far, so it is impossible for me to name and explain all of my antecedents. But I would like to suggest enough of them to impress upon you the richness and complexity of my background. My family tree begins with what is in fact a tree, a cedar of straight grain that grows in Northern California and Oregon. Now contemplate all the saws and trucks and the rope and the countless other gear used in harvesting and carting the cedar logs to the railroad siding. Think of all the persons and the numerous skills that went into their fabrication, the mining of ore, the making of steel, and its refinement into saws, axes, motors, the growing of hemp and bringing it through all the stages to heavy and strong rope, the logging camps with their beds and their mess halls, the cookery and the raising of all the foods. Why, untold thousands of persons had a hand in every cup of coffee the loggers drank. The logs are shipped to a mill in San Leandro, California. Can you imagine the individuals who make flat cars and rails and the railroad engines and who construct and install the communication systems incidentally there too? These legions are among my antecedents. Consider the millwork in San Leandro. The cedar logs are cut into small, pencil-like slats less than one-fourth of an inch in thickness. These are kiln-dried and then tinted for the same reason women put rouge on their faces. People prefer that I look pretty, not a pallid white. The slats are waxed and kiln-dried again. How many skills went into making of the tint and the kilns, into supplying the heat, the light, and the power, the belts, motors, and all the other things a mill requires? Sweepers in the mill among my ancestors? Yes. And included are the men who poured the concrete for the dam of the Pacific Gas and Electric Country Hydro Plant, which supplies the mill's power. Don't overlook the ancestors present in distance who have had a hand in transporting 60 carloads of slats across the nation. Once in the pencil factory, $4 million in machinery and building, all capital accumulated by thrifty and saving parents of mine. Each slat is giving eight grooves by a complex machine after which another machine lays lead in every other slat, applies glue, and places another slat atop. A lead sandwich, so to speak. Seven brothers and I are mechanically carved from this wood-clenched sandwich. My lead itself, it contains no lead at all. It's complex. The graphite is mined in Ceylon, Sri Lanka. Consider these miners and those who make their many tools and the makers of the paper sacks in which the graphite is shipped, and those who make the strings that ties the sacks, and those who put them aboard the ships, and those who make the ships. Even the lighthouse keepers along the way assisted in my birth, and the harbor pilots. The graphite is mixed with clay from Mississippi, 
in which uh, ammonium hydroxide is used in the refining process. Then wetting agents are added such as sulfonated tallow, animal fats chemically reacted with sulfuric acid. After passing through numerous machines, the mixture finally appears as an endless excretion. As from a sausage grinder, cut to size, dried, and then banked for several hours at 1,850 degrees Fahrenheit. To increase their strength and smoothness, the leads are then treated with a hot mixture that includes candelilla wax from Mexico, paraffin wax, and hydrogenated natural fats. My cedar receives six coats of lacquer. Do you know all the ingredients of lacquer? Who would think that the growers of castor beans and the refiners of castor oil are a part of it? They are. Why? Even the processes by which the lacquer is made a beautiful yellow involve the skills of more persons than one can enumerate. Observe the labeling. That's a film formed by applying heat to carbon black mixed with resins. How do you make resins? And what, prey is carbon black? My bit of metal, the ferrule, is brass. Think of all the persons who mine the zinc and the copper and those who have the skills to make shiny sheet brass from these products of nature. Those black rings on my ferrule are black nickel. What is black nickel and how is it applied? The complete story of why the center of my ferrule has no black nickel on it would take pages to explain. Then there's my crowning glory, and elegantly referred to in the trade as the plug, the part man uses to erase the errors he makes with me. An ingredient called factus is what does the erasing. It is a rubber-like product made by reacting rapeseed oil from the Dutch East Indies and Indonesia with sulfur chloride. Rubber, contrary to common notion, is only for binding purposes. Then, two, there are numerous falconing and accelerating agents. The pumice comes from Italy, and the pigment that gives the plug its color is cadmium sulfide. Does anyone wish to challenge my earlier assertion that no single person on the face of this earth knows how to make me? Actually, millions of human beings have had a hand in my creation, no one of whom even knows more than a very few of the others. Now, you may say that I go too far in relating the picker of a coffee berry in far-off Brazil and the food growers elsewhere to my creation, that this is an extreme position. I shall stand by my claim. There isn't a single person in all these millions, including the president of the pencil company, who contributes more than a tiny, infinitesimal bit of know-how. From the standpoint of know-how, the only difference between the miner of graphite in Ceylon and the logger in Oregon is the type of know-how. Neither the miner nor the logger can be dispensed with, any more than can the chemist of the factory or the worker in the oil field since paraffin being a byproduct of petroleum. Here is an astounding fact. Neither the workers in the oil field, nor the chemist, nor the digger of graphite or clay, nor any who mans or makes the ships or trains or trucks, nor the ones who run the machine that does the knurling on my bit of metal, nor the president of the company performs his singular task because he wants me. Each one wants me less, perhaps, than does the child in the first grade. Indeed, there are some among this vast multitude who never saw a pencil, nor would they know how to use one. Their motivation is other than me. Perhaps it is something like this. Each of these millions 
sees that he can thus exchange his tiny know-how for the goods and services he needs or wants. I may or may not be among these items. Let me just repeat that part. Perhaps it is something like this. Each of these millions sees that he can thus exchange his tiny know-how for the goods and services he wants or needs. I, pencil, may or may not be among these items. There is a fact still more astounding, the absence of a mastermind, of anyone dictating or forcibly directing these countless actions which bring me into being. No trace of such a person can be found. Instead, we find the invisible hand at work. This is the mystery to which I earlier referred. It has been said that only God can make a tree. Why do we agree with this? Isn't it because we realize that we ourselves cannot make one? Indeed, can we even describe a tree? We cannot, except in superficial terms. We can say, for instance, that a certain molecular configuration manifests itself as a tree. But what mind is there among men that could even record, let alone direct, the constant changes in molecules that transpire in the lifespan of a tree? Such a feat is utterly unthinkable. I, pencil, am a complex combination of miracles, a tree, zinc, copper, graphite, and so on. But to these miracles which manifest themselves in nature, an even more extraordinary miracle has been added. The configuration of creative human energies. Millions of tiny know-hows configuring naturally and spontaneously in response to human necessity and desire, and in the absence of any human masterminding. Since only God can make a tree, I insisted only God could make me. Man can no more direct these millions of know-hows to bring me into being than he can put molecules together to create a tree. The above is what I meant when writing. If you can become aware of the miraculousness that I symbolize, you can help save the freedom mankind is so unhappily losing. For if one is aware that these know-hows will naturally, yes, automatically arrange themselves into creative and productive patterns in response to human necessities and demand, that is, in the absence of governmental or any other coercive ma- uh, masterminding, then one will possess an absolutely essential ingredient for freedom, a faith in free people. Freedom is impossible without this faith. Once government had a monopoly of the creative activity as such, for instance, as the delivery of the mails, most individuals will believe that the mails cannot be effectively delivered by a man acting freely. And, and here's the reason. Each one acknowledges that he himself doesn't know how to do all the things uh, incident to mail delivery. He also recognizes that no other individual could do it. These assumptions are correct. No individual possesses enough know-how to perform a nation's mail delivery any more than any individual possesses enough know-how to make a pencil. Now, in the absence of faith in free people, in the unawareness that millions of tiny know-hows could naturally and miraculously form and cooperate to satisfy this necessity, the individual cannot help but reach the erroneous conclusion that mail can be delivered only by governmental masterminding. 
if I, pencil, were the only item that could offer testimony on what men and women can accomplish when free to try, then those with little faith would have a fair case. However, there is testimony galore. It's all about us, on every hand. Mail delivery is exceedingly simple when compared, for instance, to making of an automobile, or a calculating machine, or a grain combine, or a milling machine, or to tens of thousands of other things. Delivery? Why, in this area where men have been left free to try, they deliver the human voice around the world in less than one second. They deliver an event visually in motion to any person's home when it is happening. They deliver 150 passengers from Seattle to Baltimore in less than four hours. They deliver gas from Texas to one's, to one's range or furnace in New York at unbelievably low rates and without subsidy. They deliver each four pounds of oil from the Persian Gulf to our eastern seaboard halfway around the world for less money than the government charges for delivering a one-ounce letter across the street. The lessons I have to teach is this. Leave all creative energies uninhibited. Merely organize society to act in harmony with this lesson. Let society's legal apparatus remove all obstacles the best it can. Permit these creative know-hows freely to flow. Have faith that free men and women will respond to the invisible hand. This faith will be confirmed. I pencil, seemingly simple though I am, offer the miracle of my creation as testimony that this is a practical faith, as practical as the sun, the rain, a cedar tree, the good earth. Again, this article appears uh, in Anything That's Peaceful, The Case for the Free Market, 1964. Uh, All right, that's, uh, that's it. I hope everyone... Um, I hope I hope this had opened a bridge, I guess, to the idea that we are the economy. Or I just really wanted to, to drive home that you are essential, man. That whatever you were doing at your job, you don't even realize how much shit that that may have helped create and and given other people jobs. That we're all intertwined and connected together. And so we start when you start ripping these chains apart, it's gonna fuck a lot of small businesses. It's gonna fuck a lot of small people. Um, and it's going to give it all to the, it's going to give all those supply chains to the big corporations. And they're going to be the only ones that are going to be able to succeed in this because they're getting all the money and they're the only ones being allowed to stay open right now. Think about that. It's fucking crazy. Um, but we are all essential. We are all sharing this earth and its resources together. Um, and, and human harmony, guys, it's, it's natural and it is amazing. Okay. Um, now we, like I said, we've broken these natural supply chains in the name of essential, and they may never return. And to me, that's way more scary than a virus. Um, I'm going to be trying to come out with something every three to four days, guys, and um, that may just be like a little ten to fifteen minute uh, episode. Even I don't really know, um, but I really want to start getting these, um, getting these out. I really want to start getting into the philosophy. I want to start getting into this history. Um, I want to talk about the Rona. And the voodoo, da- uh, the voodoo data coming out. Um, I want to talk about China. Um, definitely want to talk about China. And then, we, and then, uh, you know, even looking forward a little bit, we got that election coming up. And, and what the fuck is going to happen with that? I mean, Joe Biden can't, dude. Joe Biden can't string two fucking sentences together. Shit's going to be wild, guys. And um, so there's going to be a lot of crazy shit to discuss. 
Um, and I, I kind of want to discuss it from a non-right and non-left ideology. Because um, like I said, um, we're going to be in for a wild ride. And I think libertarians are going to have uh, some really interesting things to say um, as this world is crumbling around us. And, and it's going to be, I'm not going to lie, there's going to be a lot of, uh, um, uh, we told you so, um, we've been telling you so, and uh, maybe it's time to really listen to the message. Um, wow, what, I mean, what an interesting time to be alive. So uh, stay tuned for that content coming up, guys. Tell your friends, share the episode, speak the truth, promote liberty, buck the establishment, and don't kiss your mother. Catch you on the flip side. You have just witnessed the lyrical stylistics of chromatic distortion. Don't you know you're talking about a revolution with the sounds Don't you know you're talking about a revolution with the sounds While they're standing in the welfare lines Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation Wasting time in the unemployment lines Sitting around, waiting for a promotion Don't you know, they're talking about a revolution It sounds like Poor people gonna rise up and get their share Poor people gonna rise up and take what's theirs Don't you know you better run, 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 Oh, I said you better run, 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 run. Cause finally the tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution. Yes, finally the tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution, oh, no. Talking about a revolution, oh, while they're standing in the welfare lines. Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation. Wasting time in the unemployment lines. Sitting around, waiting for a promotion. Don't you know, they're talking about a revolution in the sound. Starting to turn, talking about a revolution. Yes, finally the tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution. Oh no. Talking about a revolution. Oh no. Talking about a revolution. Oh.